Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Immediately before I introduce formally our guest co-host for today, I will always like to give you information for what you have to look forward to in future weeks. And so I'm really super excited because next Friday on November 17th, we will be welcoming Mingle Papaya, and she is going to be our guest co-host for Intentional Conversations podcast. And we're going to discuss power, money, and time as they relate to designing equitable organizations. We will also unpack what she refers to as the racial triangulation between Asian, Black people, and how we can avoid falling into the divide and conquer tactics. And so you're going to want to join us for that conversation. She has a new book out, and I'm really excited to have her as my guest co-host next Friday. Just a reminder that the Friday following will be the week of Thanksgiving. And so we will not be here, and we hope that you will be someplace enjoying time with your friends and your family as we just really sit in gratitude of, of all that we have been, been blessed with. And so I just want to make sure that you are marking the date and time so that you don't show up here, because if so, you will be here by yourself. But nonetheless, on the following Friday, we will be right back for another issue of Intentional Conversations podcast. If you enjoy these conversations and you know of someone who would make a great co-host, we would love to engage them. So let us know by sending an email to my colleague, Amora Carter. And Amora is, can be reached at amora at nikawhite.com. Many of our guest co-hosts come by way of your recommendation. So we're always grateful to put them into our, our consideration set and invite them to the show. Now, it gives me great pleasure to read the bio of our guest co-host for today, who is a friend, who is a sister, who is someone I admire and think really highly of, and I am so excited to have her in conversation today and in community with each of you. Her name is Christine Scott, and I'm going to read her official bio because that's what we do here. We like for people to know the accolades, credentials, experiences that our guest co-hosts show up to the conversation so that you know we have done our job in and bringing great content to you. So today will be no different. Christine Scott is the founder and CEO of Christine Language Solutions, a language services agency. She is bilingual, Spanish as a second language. She has over 15 years of experience using her skills in the workforce. She has used her passion to serve in a variety of industries, including healthcare, real estate, education, industrial, and nonprofit, just to name a few. She views herself as a language access agent. I love that. We're going to unpack that language access agent who is playing an integral part of a much larger mission that she'll tell us about today. But I will give you just a little bit of a heads up that this mission involves connecting diverse people, businesses, and their communities through the power of effective communication. So you know what to do at this time, podcast community. I want you to find those emojis, those reactions, those accolades, whatever it is, words of affirmation to allow Christine to know how grateful we are that she is here with us today sharing. I'm going to add her to the spotlight and we're going to give her a chance to greet this audience in her own way. But Christine, one of the things that we have a tradition for doing here at um, NWC through our vodcast is before our guest co-hosts will introduce themselves or greet the audience, we often ask them to share something about themselves that 
we would not know from reading their bio or even visiting their LinkedIn profile. So this is your chance to think about how we can connect with you on a deeper level, right? And share maybe some interesting tidbits, maybe some intersecting identities, whatever it is that you want to um, share with us. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Mika. I'm beyond grateful to be here and share a bit of my story with everyone. Um, again, I told you this off camera, but I highly admire you to a very, very, very high levels. I'm just so grateful that I have the, the, the blessing of being able to actually see you in person from time to time. I uh, love you, your entire family. So I'm very grateful and happy to be here. I see some familiar uh, faces too on the call. So for those who see me on a regular basis, you may already know this, and I've shared this a time or two in some non-business related posts, but I am very passionate about the arts. I love dance. And I used to play the piano actually, and I lost it. And so just like how people, you don't use it, you lose it. That happened to me, guys, it's not just languages. So I used to do recital, um, piano recitals in high school and even at the college level, but I focus more on languages and I have to start from scratch if I wanna learn how to play a little something. So um, that is a little known fact that I will share today with you all. I also love dance and I'm, I'm always learning new dances. And I used to actually uh, perform African dancing for festivals. Back in the day, I retired from that, but yes. Um, yes. <laughs> No, that is great. We, we always love hearing the fun facts. And I have to tell you, so y'all, we have history. Christine and I have a lot of history. I, I love her and her sweet family. We've been connected for years in multiple capacities. And I have to say, this is the first time even I am coming into um, knowledge that you used to play the piano. So that is great. And the fact that you shared that if you don't use it, you'll lose it, I think is probably going to find its way into our conversation about language as well. <laughs> so some parallels were already connecting, um, but I love that. Okay, so let's jump right in. I want you to share with us, Christine, what inspired you to pursue career in languages and why did you even pick Spanish? That is such a great question. Um, another thing, uh, fun fact, um, when I was in high school and you had to pick a language, I was not focused on Spanish. I was focused on Japanese. The high school that I went to, uh, offered Japanese and, but they did not allow freshmen to take Japanese and you had to be a sophomore or have another year under your belt of some other language. It was some kind of loophole and I was waiting to take Japanese. And so I just picked Spanish because for me, it was like low-hanging fruit, to be completely honest with you. Um, and I, I thought it was fun, but I was still waiting to take that Japanese class. <laughs> well, fast forward to the year I became eligible to take it, Japanese, um, our family moved. To, we moved to an entirely different district, town, and that new high school did not have Japanese. So I continued taking Spanish. Um, so as far as how did I learn, how did I get to career, it's such a loaded question, but I did start learning Spanish as a hobby in, in high school. I was taking lessons um, as most students in the U.S. have you pick a language and you're, and you're studying that language, whether you speak it or not, you're studying it. However, what sparked my interest to want to learn to speak the language was a classmate. One day I was sitting in my U.S. history class. And I reached over to my neighbor, who I thought was from South Carolina, where I grew up, to ask <laughs> her a question. And she did not understand a word that I said. That was such a culture shock for me. Because in those days growing up in Columbia, 
you weren't, even culturally, there wasn't a lot of diversity there. It was English. Yeah. It was my parents are from South Carolina. My grandparents are from South Carolina. And so um, even for me, being of Jamaican heritage through my parents, that was rare, even there, growing up in Columbia, South Carolina. And so when she did not understand, when it took me a minute to realize it's because she didn't understand English, shocked, rocked my entire world. Um, I started to help her in class, just organically oh. became friends. But we didn't speak each other's language. I didn't speak Spanish and she didn't speak English. Within a year's time of connecting with her outside of the classroom, no lie, Dr. Nika, her English improved to the level where she could speak at a basic level independently. And my Spanish improved in the same way without mm -hmm. hard. And that's where the light bulb moment was for me. It was like a game changer. And I said, I'm going to see how far I can go with this. And so I started doing better in my Spanish classes, paying more attention, being that student's raise her hand that gets in everybody's nerves, you know, so I'm like, I know what's <laughs> going on now. And I told myself I was going to go as far as I can go with it. And I'm still telling myself that to this day. Um, the passion for the career started when I was in college. I was, was a psychology major, Spanish minor. And by the end of my sophomore year, I changed to a Spanish major. I was just so passionate about it, getting better, more fluent. Um, and I did study abroad as well. The passion was just there. So I just decided to go all in, chips in, I would say. Um, and I had this vision of having an agency since before I graduated from college. And so you started your agency in what year? I started officially in 2018 after 2018. years of living in fear and and um, and just wondering how, where do I get started? You know, I'm not a native speaker. That imposter syndrome kicked in a little bit. Um, and I just got tired of the excuses. Got tired of the excuses. Well, I love the fact that you shared those stories because I would imagine, because I'm one of these individuals, at least I used to be this way until you and I started having conversations about language. And um, and that is, is that there are a lot of adults in particular that may sit back and think, oh, it's too late for me. I cannot learn a language. And you clearly talked about how um, just the immersing yourself and having the that level of communication um, with someone who speaks natively that language can do wonders. And that's when you discovered, okay, let me see how far I can go with this. And so what would you say, Christine, to those um, adult learners that kind of feel like, oh, that's just too late for me. It's a lost cause. That is such a great question. I'm going to give you two of what I think are very practical, realistic ways that an adult can become fluent in a shorter amount of time. Um, the way, the community way, meaning that you're living in the United States and you're not around many native Spanish speakers on a regular basis is to align yourself in circles where you might be in the minority when it comes to being a native English speaker. And even if your colleagues are bilingual, encouraging them to practice with you in their native tongues in Spanish mm -hmm. or whatever other language that you wish to, whether it's German or Russian, <laughs> I highly encourage being connected with a native, whether or not they are bilingual to to get comfortable hearing something that is not your native tongue. The other way, which some adults on this call may be able, if have the opportunity to afford to be able to do this, if you're able to take a three month sabbatical and go to that country that um, you of the language which you wish to learn and whether you, know, you do it, whether you, you're saving for it, whether it's a, a job opportunity or an internship or that allows you to be in that country, but mm -hmm. you're there and you're not going anywhere else for a solid three months minimum. 
I tell mm -hmm. you, no lie, I strongly believe in my core from my experiences uh, for myself and me teaching and encouraging and being around languages for all of these years that you, that adult would come back with a basic understanding of that language to, because it's survival mode. And so mm -hmm. yeah. those two things, getting the, being around native, span, uh, native speakers of whatever language you wish to learn, finding those communities, maybe support group, maybe a networking opportunity, um, international organizations, like there's so many different things happening everywhere all the time. Being willing to drive an hour, um, I'm about an hour from Charlotte. Maybe Upstate doesn't have a certain thing that you're looking for, but Charlotte does. Be willing to make the drive. And you might have a connection that can help foster con constant practice. So there are, there are so many different ways to learn different language. language. I'm very passionate about that fact. There is not a black and white way. Even my way isn't the way. It's about being around it enough to understand it and be brave enough to practice. Yes. So I'm hearing a lot of um, intentionality. We have to be very purposeful about it. Put people into our network, go to spaces, whatever it is, make those sacrifices if you really do want to learn the language and put the excuses aside. I love that. And the fact that you talk about full immersion, I think that we all hear that as one of the recommendations. Um, Christine, you know my daughter, and um, she is um, going to be living in, in DR, Dominican Republic, actually moving there in December. And she's giving herself one year. She's already started learning the language language, uh, but she wants to be fully immersed so that she is fluent and so that she really understands the culture. And so um, we are we are supporting her, really excited about it. And I know that you've also been um, a support of her as well. So look forward to seeing how her experience is going to shape um, all the endeavors that she is um, striving to accomplish as it relates to being bilingual. Um, so I want to talk about how this has impacted your business. Um, I know that being of another cu culture certainly can help shape how in which we show up to the world, how in which we conduct business, and very specifically, your business business is around language solutions. And so help connect the dots to how in which you show up for your clients and the ways in which you support all those different industries that I, I shared with this community when I was reading your bio. Thank you for that. Um, for one, I have to, looking back on things, um, it's like what made me allow myself to be so open to something so foreign to me? Because my family mm -hmm. is kind of that heritage, they don't speak Spanish. And I really believe that it is because I'm, I am first generation born in the United States um, in my family. Um, and me, my, my siblings and my first cousins were born in the US. Outside of that, their parents, my aunties and uncles and grandparents, they were all born in Jamaica. I truly believe that just me being of something different <laughs> allowed me to be open to something different, even mm -hmm. though it wasn't my heritage. And so for me, um, when I started learning Spanish and getting better at it, I even back then, it wasn't automatically, oh, I know I want to have an agency. But once I realized that I did have this gift, I consider it a gift. It is a gift to be bilingual. I treasure it. I like to fortify it, feed it, and um, just continue to try to get better and better and learn. And um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's a whole nother, that can be a whole nother broadcast, podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I am not a native speaker. And so uh, I like to con continue education is is my in my DNA. I have to continue to learn, grow. I'm working on some things right now um, that are to be announced. But long story short, I like to take my passion for um, learning of others that might not resonate with me through my languages to serve others, whether or not they are 
of my culture or heritage. So I call myself that third party in the room that's just connecting. So yeah. like the plug, I guess he would say. Yes. So I do that individually and as a business. Got it. So you do it for organizations who obviously maybe serve um, communities that whose native language is Spanish and you help provide those translation services, but then also you help individuals to uh, learn the language as well and the culture as well. Okay. Yes. Okay. That, that is great. So one of the things that I've always been intrigued by is um, when women of color, specifically black women are in this space. And um, I want you to talk a little bit about your experience as a black woman in the, the language solutions space, right? Um, I don't know of too many others that um, don't have, you know, a particular language as their native language that then will uh, form a business, an entire business around it and, and make that their career and their profession. So what are you seeing? Maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe you're seeing a lot of them, but I would love for you to just enlighten us all. Thank you. I first want to acknowledge, and this is something that it kind of shows that cultural difference with the United States and the rest of the world. I want to, to acknowledge that in so many other countries worldwide outside of the United States, there are so many people that look like us, me and you, that are either their native language is not English, mm-hmm. or they have to learn English, or they don't know English, or they are bilingual through the culture of, of what country they're living in, and they were they grew up that way. So I'm speaking on behalf of the Jamaican American, African American, Black women in the United States. Yes, yes, we are still United States. In, in my humble opinion, we are still rare, and I want it this um, number to increase. I want to increase yes. visibility and awareness because when it comes to language access, just like you've seen, and I've made some posts about American Sign Language, we are showing mm-hmm. up, and I am so here for it. It just makes my heart mm-hmm. beam with joy because I see them as they're all we're colleagues. We're trying to help bridge connections, mm-hmm. making sure people understand the message. And I just love seeing it. I just love to see the, the rainbow of, of, of American Sign Language um, interpreters. Makes my heart so glad. And so in the workplace, um, it's interesting. I, I get a lot of questions. And, and uh, also for context for viewers who may not be aware. So I reside in South Carolina. Um, and we, we've made a lot of strides and in some areas, you know, we have a long ways to go. And so being a black woman in languages in South Carolina, it's, it can be seen as a unicorn moment to be completely frank. (laughs) I do get questions. Um, I'm in medical, so I also interpret in hospitals and, and doctor clinics. And sometimes I show up and they're saying, Hey, um, we're looking for the interpreter that happens (laughs) on a regular basis. Um, I am proud and happy to show up for me and my colleagues by saying I am the interpreter. I have no qualms with explaining um, my role. I think that the more we show up and we're in the room and we kind of pull our <laughs> pull our chair to the table, like, oh, okay, this is actually neat. Oh, this actually exists. I think I, I find it a beautiful blessing um, just the way I was born. I just happen to have a passion for languages and look like this, right? Um, but the passion is there, and I see it in so many colleagues of, of, of different nationalities as well when it comes to those language service specialists. Um, but yeah, in the workplace, you get those questions. I have had um, clients that native Spanish speakers that I've served. They would ask me if I'm from other uh, countries where maybe most of the demographic look like me, but they speak Spanish. Um, for example, Dominican Republic. I get that maybe once every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, again, for me, I don't take offense to that particular question. The reason is because my family is Caribbean. 
The Dominican Republic mm. and the Caribbean, some of the dishes that we even eat are similar, to be completely honest with you. So I do kind of, I say, actually, no, I'm not a native. However, um, I'm of Caribbean blood. And so we just have a light, yeah. kind of light in the conversation. Um, a lot of conversation starters, but I'm happy yes. to, and I'm not afraid and I'm passionate. And I think somebody has, somebody has to be that person that is nerd, nerds out on languages and why not me? So <laughs> <laughs> I love that your passion is like really exuding. And so I am happy that you have found your element, your space that is working really well for you and bringing you such great moments of joy. There are a couple of things that you've said that I just want to kind of amplify. Um, the first is uh, many in this community uh, may be aware that uh, my daughter um, did her graduate program in London. And she often talks about how, um, and I'm connecting this to the U.S. context that you brought to the conversation around Black women in language services kind of being a unicorn in this area. But my daughter often talks about how in other countries, that's not the situations. People are like bilingual, trilingual, and it's like, you know, it's commonplace. And so uh, there is definitely a, a difference and a divide there as it relates to uh, how many how many languages that people are, are learning and speaking. The other thing, too, is I'm finding so much parallel to just this broad conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion to language services and how in which you're even showing up to the conversation. For example, you spoke a moment ago around how um, when we are, are really um, aware of our difference, right, from others, that it opens us up to the difference of others. And so you talked about your journey and to learning the language was because you kind of felt like, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, there's a deficit here. I'm, I'm not in the inside of, of being able to communicate effectively. And so through that difference is what kind of prompted you to want to learn the language and further the language. And then just a moment ago, you shared that, um, you know, when we, when we show up, the more that we show up, even as unicorns, right, into those spaces, the more we are accepted and the more that we feel a sense of belonging. And so I share all of that really to just send the message that we need more unicorns, right, that are showing up into these spaces, <laughs> into these, these careers, into these, um, these opportunities where we don't see us quite frequently. And I love that you're kind of building um, and modeling that and building kind of a pathway of others. And so I'm sure folks are being inspired by hearing your story. Um, so I want to talk about um, what impact does the work being done by DEI practitioners? I want to intersect this now a bit more seamlessly to the work that you do. But what impact does the work being done by DEI practitioners like myself have in the language services space? It greatly, greatly helps us. I'm just um, before people wanted to put it in a box of, oh, languages. Oh, they don't speak English. Let's send somebody to help them. Well, yeah. when I started interpreting and learning, hey, I'm serving here. I'm ser I'm helping the doctor need to help just as much as the patient needed my help. <laughs> it's an equal playing field here. There is a need here. So for me, I see it as DEI increasing visibility to those niche groups. And it just, in my humble opinion, it gives us that boost of a voice to kind of whether we're tagging on, whether we're pulling on those letters or whether we're showing up to those conferences and saying, hey, we're here, we're language services. So you might be the only one or five of us in a room of 300, but we are serving and we are connecting and we are advocating for those who may not literally have that voice. Because if, if there might be fear there with the language, it might be 
closed doors, there might be discrimination where practices think that ethically they are allowed to not provide services and find out, whoops, you actually are required or you can be fined, sued and shut down. So there's a lot of laws in place. So the work that DEI practitioners are doing, like yourself, just bringing visibility, even having me on the show is, is making leaps and bounds for our field. And because language services here in the United States, especially in the South, is still not as um, refined yeah. and 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 extensive as it should be. Um, these platforms allow people to advocate better who are in certain rooms where certain decisions are being made, where we're able to express and passion, nonprofit, whatever you call it, to tag onto. So thank you for what you're doing. It's helping me and my colleagues, and that is one of the main reasons why I wanted to come on this show as well. Well, and I think it's almost like a hand in glove. It's, it's a both and. I mean, it's one thing to be able to translate what someone is saying, but contextually, are we understanding the the cultural um, aspect of, of what they're sharing and how they're sharing it? So it's not just about, again, just the language itself. It's also about how are we helping people to understand and build up their cultural competence, their cultural intelligence, cultural humility, so that as they are communicating um, and, and trying to serve individuals across difference, they can do so effectively. And to your point, it can be a life and death situation when we talk about it from a healthcare perspective. And so I think that the role that you do and the others that are in this space is so critically important. And so on that, on those lines, Christine, I would love for you to share maybe one or two examples or specific instances where you uh, were keenly aware that my work made a difference in bridging the gap. Yes, um, I'll share two. So one is coming from a healthcare standpoint where we're talking about life or death. Um, you'll, I'll encounter many situations where there's a spouse present of an adult and there's maybe one spouse, I'll just speak for Spanish because that is my second language. Um, there might be one spouse that only speaks Spanish and their spouse is bilingual mm -hmm. and speaks English perfectly. And I had a situation a few years ago, I'll never forget it. Um, there was a, it was a terminal cancer case. And so mm -hmm. I'm not sharing any details demographic wise, but the spouse spoke, spoke perfect English, but the nurse had doubts. The nurse did not fully trust the spouse and she did what you're supposed to do anyway in a situation where they're going to have to have a high, a very sensitive conversation with um, the patient about the stage and with the doctor present. She called the interpreter in and I just happened to be that interpreter on call at that time. So I went in the room and we had some disclaimers. I told him where I was, who I was. I realized very quickly he spoke both languages perfectly, but I told them, hey, as, as long as, you know, let me hear what's going on, I'll fill in and, and I had to take over because what was happening was he was hiding crucial information from, from the spouse. Uh... That, could, that could literally save her life. And if mm. I was not in the room, it would have been unattended to. Mm. Um, and it was a selfish move. And sometimes we love it's going back to loved ones and who's going to make decisions. We love them. We want them here as long as we can and all of those things. But if I wasn't there, a lot of information would not have reached her ears from her own husband. Mm. That mm. was one situation that I will never forget. And I'm just like so grateful for that nurse just following her instincts on that. Another thing um, that's more, um, well, I wouldn't say lighthearted, but it was intense, but it was very eye opening. This was my introduction to um, industrial fields where mm -hmm. I was sent on an out-of-state assignment 
for an audit um, to uh, make sure that every employee was able to share their thoughts on a topic. A large percentage of those employees were Spanish speaking. And so they hired me to actually facilitate conversation with interviews. And it was a two day mm -hmm. assignment and it was very intense. And what I learned very quickly is that they wanted to advocate for the integrity of the job and they did not let language barriers get in their way. And so they solved it really quickly just by hiring an agency to come in. And yeah. I was able to see that a lot of the Spanish speaking employees, you can tell that they haven't really had a chance to get things off their chest. And they were just talking about everything. They were spilling beans. They were telling them their coat. They were just sharing everything. But it was just a reminder that's going to help that person that that's doing the audit that brought me in to get a more informed report for Lee. Yeah. Yes. Now that is great. I hope that you're keeping like some case studies because I do think that for those that may be reticent about investing in language services, that potentially these case studies will, will really help, um, you know, amplify the the outcomes. Um, and so, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so I just want to give this audience a, a brief heads up that we're going to be shifting momentarily. I'll give you a chance to ask your questions or maybe just contribute to the conversation with your comments. And if you're part of our Zoom community, you can do so by using the raise hand feature that lets us know that we can call on you, add you to the spotlight, and invite you to unmute and share. Or if you have curiosities and you just want to place them into the chat, we're watching that closely. For those who are joining us via LinkedIn Live, you can go to the comment section and share your questions, and we will certainly bring that over into this community. So as you percolate, I'm going to go to the next question for um, Christine. And this is really a pickup from the last discussion, because you mentioned that sometimes different industries where you're providing language services can, um, pro you know, provide a different experience. And so I am curious about, have you encountered um, any unique challenges or rewards from serving in various industries? You know, you, we mentioned healthcare, we mentioned real estate, education, um, but I'm just curious about, do you find there being any differences from all the, the multiple industries that you serve in? There's a big difference. Um, I'm grateful. I find it an advantage because I'm able to learn about the, the field or the industry just by being hired for that role. Um, my, my greatest experience is in the medical field over 10 years as a medical interpreter. However, whenever I get a chance to do something different, it's just a chance for me to kind of crack open that, that book and be a fly on the wall and learn more about how they do what they do. For example, a few months ago, I was hired by a real estate attorney because both the buyer and the seller had language barriers. And I was like, wait a minute, they're going to be signing a lot of important documents here. Let's hire a third party that is not partial, doesn't know either party. And that's a benefit to actually hiring language services because they're coming in as a neutral voice. You're not mm -hmm. having to be misinterpreted, thing, thing hidden. And they were able to protect the integrity of their business because they brought in a third party. So every day, Dr. Nick, to answer your question, every day there's rewards. I would like to take this time to share some of the things that I interpret I interpret on a regular basis that people may not be aware of. Labor and delivery, where I'm in the room with the mom. C-sections, trauma surgeries, flew in by flown in by a helicopter, ambulance, children who might be in an emergent, emergent medical situation, um, delivering news, good or bad. You're lit I'm, I mean, in the room. And so stress management is huge. Mm -hmm. And I also want to make sure that when I'm in the room, I'm not bringing any more drama to that, to that situation. I'm not bringing any more 
any type of negative or anxious energy, I like to say as calm as possible. And it clears my brain and allows me to do what I do. That's why I really truly believe on top of being bilingual, being qualified interpreter is a gift. And I'm going to continue to for fertilize it and whatever I got to do to keep it going because it mm -hmm. really learned so much. Um, I did recently also, um, thanks to many trusted colleagues, members of the CLS team, Christine Language Solutions and myself, a few months ago in the summer, we helped facilitate a two-week national conference where they needed language services. Mm. And do that remotely. And their week one was um, virtual and their week two was hybrid. And they were out of close to Chicago, Illinois. So mm -hmm. we were able to people in the room and it was that really was another way for me to crack open that book be a fly in the wall learn about that industry and so I'm always learning growing and it's rewarding me to learn but adding to it just being there um people telling me doctors nurses um agents teachers telling me thank you so much for being here they have that sigh of relief at the end that's the goal is to alleviate stress it's not to add to it people think oh it's going to take so much longer now that we have somebody speaking both languages what they don't realize is that the conversation is is clear from from the get go, and you're able to move about your day and do your job, and you don't have to worry about shoulda, coulda, wouldas, or ifs. So we're mm -hmm. really hoping you do your job, and so I love I love uh, when we're able to do that, and people are able to see the value in that because we're showing them through our actions. Yeah, uh, Christine, you have brought a heightened level of appreciation to this, you know, credentialed field in space. Um, I never thought about the stress management that comes along with language services. And so thank you for amplifying that. And the way that you talked about it, I certainly can see how stress management is, is vital and is critical because you are often in situations where you're delivering really delicate information. And, um, and sometimes when you can speak the language, even though you may not look directly like those individuals, they see you as almost that, that confidant, that supporter, that comfort, just because you can connect with them on that level around the language. And so I would imagine that some of the emotions that find its, its way into those circumstances and those environments certainly can weigh heavy on you. And so I, I again, I just appreciate the recognition of the stress management piece. Um, I, I'm, so I'm not seeing any hands raised or questions right now. So I'm going to keep um, forging ahead. I do have some additional questions for you. And I'm interested, have you ever experienced any discrimination um, in your role from a, a language services perspective? And I'm going back to what you identified as in from a U.S. context, being um, kind of a unicorn as a Black woman that has Spanish as a second language, and you're in the space as a founder and business owner um, of your own company. Do people sometimes see you and let the optics um, you know, cause them to perceive that maybe you aren't going to be effective at, at reaching and communicating with um, the folks that they're looking to connect with? What a great question. Thank you for sharing. I will start off by saying, and which is refreshing for hopefully, this hopefully encourages people who are really curious about wanting to learn to speak Spanish and they might be have these fears involved with connecting to someone who doesn't look like them and they're not of the same culture, that overall, when I look back at my experiences learning Spanish up until doing things in, the, in career, then business owner, Ship, I've had, most of my experiences have been very positive and welcoming and warm. That's that, great. that is something that I am very, very, very grateful for. And I will honestly say it's motivated me to keep going even back then. That being said, I have had instances where people, one, one memorable one was a, 
a colleague. And by a colleague, I mean that she is a language service provider. She's an interpreter. She was an interpreter, mm -hmm. but we were not in the same department. Um, we both were American, um, but uh, she just was so used to being the person that they call on because I know Spanish. And when she realized that I knew it too, um, there was a lot of questions happening um, towards me. And and she, I wasn't answer. I, I don't have to answer to this particular lady based on her title. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget it. And thankfully, I was able to talk to a colleague who knew her about the situation. But that happens from time to time where people might doubt. Well, how well do you speak it? And mm -hmm. they hear my accent and they realize I'm not a native because people are now aware that people who look like me are can be native Spanish speakers. But yeah. oh, oh gosh, forget about it. So many people around here in South Carolina did not realize that, just being frank. But now their awareness is there. But um, there's there that happens from time to time, even where native Spanish speakers might wonder just how well. But then to be because I'm always teachable learning and I'm I'm that fail often, fail forward. I'm not mm -hmm. afraid. And I don't know why to this day, Nick, I cannot tell you why I am so uh fearless about this field. Um, I'm grateful for it because it's forged me forward. But I know that we're all human. So I'm gonna own mm -hmm. any mistake that I make and I'm gonna learn from it, and I'm gonna grow from it, and I'm gonna move forward. And so even if I make a mistake, I correct it. And I've had I've had natives. Spanish speakers think I was a native and that's like probably my biggest biggest nod my biggest um yeah hey um flat, I'm so flattered when I hear that but that's not the goal I'm not trying to trick anybody I'm not liking that mindset but uh, <laughs> yeah, there are times where maybe they might question just how well but I like to show up do the work do it in excellence and show up as hey I'm here to add to this conversation I'm here to add value to it you can take from it what you wish but I'm here to do a job so just like I'm not going to label you you can label me however you wish, but what you can't say is that I didn't do a good job or that I didn't try or I didn't, I, I always bring resources with me. So there's, I, I would call that a level of discrimination if there's doubt in mm. my abilities because they might be, yeah. whether it's based on me being um, a native English speaker, being American, being black, whatever the case is, if they're doubting, that can be a form of a discrimination. So yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and and definitely it is a form of bias, if nothing else, right? Why are they not trusting that you're showing up um, with the the level of intelligence and qualifications that that's needed? But you know, it it does bring up um, this this delicate um, tension point of, you know, those are individuals that are calling upon you and colleagues like you for services because of the unknown that they have, right? So it's like I have to be able to trust this that this individual is really going to communicate appropriately appropriately and effectively on our behalf, because there's no, I can't tell if they are or not, because I don't know the language, right? This is why I called on the experts and the professionals. Trusting. And, um, and I think that forming those relationships um, at the crux of it certainly needs to be trust. Um, so we're, we're, we're closing in on our time together today, but we do have maybe about 15 or so minutes. And you have recently released a manual called Christine's Spanish on the Go. I would love for you to introduce that tool. Tell yeah. us how people get it and tell us what inspired you to do it and what really is the purpose and the benefit of having this tool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love, um, it being called a manual because I wanted to pack all of my years of experience and everything in it. And I very quickly learned I could not. So this is actually part one of a series that's coming up okay. here first. Um, there's going to be different topic themes for each manual because what I can say from teaching Spanish, that it can be very overwhelming to a new learner. 
And mm-hmm. I liked things to be broken down, just like with my fitness journey, I'm going to modify, I'm going to take breaks, and then I get stronger later. I want people to have it in pieces and chunks. So my this manual, I, I call it an introduction. That's actually part of the subtitle of the book, volume one, because I want to get people a ta- give people a taste of what it can look like to practice speaking Spanish out loud. Now, this is what I'm going to say might sound weird, but this book is not for native Spanish speakers <laughs> because like okay. everybody buy the book who speaks Spanish already. You never know. This book are really, um, I really did have in mind to be completely honest with you, native English speakers, specifically born in the United States or the Americas, um, the America, I'm sorry, North America, I apologize, mm-hmm. um, Canada and, and, um, United States who wish to practice independently practice pronouncing their Spanish because there are certain tools that I used and I was just learning through life through knowing this friend who mm-hmm. by the way my classmate that I first started practicing with is from Venezuela and she had mm-hmm. like, green eyes red hair and I just love that she just broke my idea of what Hispanic or Latina right. looks like from the beginning so I already had that that was already, I had to get over that a long time ago. So I just love my life experiences, but this manual, are, it really to give people an, a, a peek into what it looks like where you don't have, you might not have a native to practice, practice with, and you want to get better. You want to get more confident. I've included pronunciation tips and mm-hmm. they're not official Webster. They're, they're my tips, Christine's way that I would break it down to help people properly pronounce these words so that they can confidently in the comfort of their own home or on the go, read it and use that to practice once they build their confidence up. But really once they start the practice, that's part of building the confidence, but I wanted to give them something to work with to get started. So it's it's beginning of a series and um, I'll be releasing another one um, early next year that already has the theme and all of that. So, and I have a native, I'll have, make sure I'll have a native Spanish speaker um, with me in the project soon, so. Got it. No, I love that. So Christine Spanish on the go manual. And how can people get this tool? Great question. So I am in the process of working on doing some new things with my website for next year. So it's not on the website yet. However, you can direct message me on all the platforms, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, You can, I believe, I'm not sure if they dropped my phone number in there. You can email me. I'm currently um, still providing the ebook for $10. And I'm doing regular giveaways for those who purchase the book. So that's been cool to see um, people that I may know or not know win something. And I'm also providing printed versions of the manual as well. So direct messaging me is the best way to sort that out, get me to get your contact information. Some people have preferred the manual, um, the ebook, so they can just do it and print it whenever they're ready and just have it on their phone. So just yeah. message me privately and I will definitely announce when it's on the website as well. That is great. And we have placed into the chat all of the ways from a social media perspective, folks can connect with you to maybe request that tool or even just to follow your content. I know that you're pretty regular on social media um, and and you are not at a shortage of tools. I know that from firsthand experience, because when I was working with you on one, you were always like, here's another tool for your toolbox. Here's another tool. And I love that. And so um, are there any other tools that come to mind that you think for someone who's learning the language would be useful for them to to know you want to socialize that i'm going to speak from feedback that i've gotten from people who even if i didn't teach them um i've heard that duolingo has been helping some people doing duolingo every day though 
And I remember this one gentleman, he worked in the radiology department at the hospital. Um, he told me that for at least a year, he was doing like five minutes of Duolingo every day. And he was able to build up some basic skills on his own, like independently learning, not through not practicing with the native or anything. And I heard, I would hear his Spanish and it was accurate. Mm -hmm. So Duolingo every day, a couple minutes might be helpful. Um, when it comes to checking your glossary, I would not only rely on Google Translate because they <laughs> have been told me that. known to get it wrong, and especially yeah. with the context pieces. So I advocate for an app called Lingway.com to, if you're trying to vet certain phrases, short phrases, you can put the entire mini phrase in there and see if it matches up, if it makes sense. Um, also word reference is good if you want to see how to break the word down based on who's speaking. And I will happily share all of this. Um, I can take a moment and write it in the chat or however, Dr. Nika, you wish for me to get that to you. Um, I will happily yeah. Yeah, I think we are, I think we're capturing it as you are speaking and we're placing it into the chat. Yeah, the team is, the team is really resourceful and fast. And so for those of you who are looking for some additional tools to help you, um, then certainly I hope that you're taking note of what's happening into the chat. But yes, I just, I love the fact that you're not a shortage of tools. And by the way, you may want to take just a quick moment to help individuals to understand what is that one-to-one -one coaching and, um, and, you know, instructional experience like, because while I have said on the opposite end of it, I think that'll be great for you to talk about how in which you like to plan and curate those those experiences that are really unique I mean you had me watching like sitcoms and all sorts of stuff yeah so for those who don't know um Dr. Nisa was my student at one point you know she decided to just go for it during the pandemic and just said hey I'm gonna go all chips in and yeah. myself and better myself I'm so proud of you I compare that oh. to me like learning how to swim in my late 30s so trust me I'm oh, yeah. off to you seriously I really do I don't take that lightly and so in that um, when it comes to language learning a lot of my adult learners may have had some exposure with Spanish or may not have so I always like to start off with an assessment and that is a meeting where I I ask a series of Q&A with photos, without photos, some writing to assess where their baseline is. And I like the lessons to be individualized. And I also like the lessons to be based on their goals. So yeah. right now I have a student who their goal is they, of course they wanna know more Spanish to be fluent, but they're gonna be um, back into a, a native speaking, native Spanish speaking country for a wedding. And they want to be able to kind of get around with some of the locals, some of the locals they've met and they wanna be able to talk more with them. Um, hmm. Another student where her and her husband would make a, take a trip to Mexico every year. Oh. And so her goal was just to be able to kind of say those basic things and know some Spanish, but not know everything. So not everything could be cutter. Um, we do meet virtually for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on their learning plan. And um, also considering a different way to format the frequency of, of meeting um, You've heard it here first. So when I roll that out, that might spark some people's interest because the goal of, of this potential new program would be for people to get sp speaking a little bit faster than before. Um, but Ooh. it would be a sacrifice of their time and it would have to be like a very serious commitment or I would rather not take them on as a student because yeah. I want to go up for them. But it's some some tool that helped me that I've learned, even me um, learning to swim, that I would like to take into some other things that I'm working on. But yes, um, reaching out to me for questions, the discovery call, it's just free to just pick up the phone and we can talk about what your goals might be. But yes, um, individualized lessons. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, individualized. Well, I love that. And thanks for giving us kind of a sneak peek of what's to come for those who want to fast track their experience in learning um, the language. And so we have five minutes left. And I want to, okay. first and foremost, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for spending this hour with us. I want to thank you for sharing so much of yourself. And again, as much history as we have, I've learned a lot in this conversation from you. So I'm so grateful. I have even deeper admiration for what you do and how you do it because of this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank but you. I want to give you the honor of closing us out in whatever way that feels most appropriate. It could be that you share something with us that I failed to ask you about that you have a lot of energy or feeling emboldened about right now, or maybe even just sharing what your vision is for the future for Christine Language Solutions. And um, again, how you, the, the broader mission of, of your desire to connect people through language. And so close us out in whatever way that feels most appropriate. Thank you for that. I want to share with everyone that um, I, we are CLS, my agency, we are passionate about serving um, local and small businesses. And that is something we've served larger organizations as well. And we've served out of state. However, there may be someone on this call that is connected to an organization and they may feel that they are maybe too small to benefit from our services. Um, I encourage you to reach out to me because that is a, a passion of mine. And there are many different ways that that may be intersected, or I can point you in the right direction to resources that can benefit you and your organization's, organization's budget, even if you don't hire us. And so I want to encourage you to still reach out because I am connected to a very large network of language specialists, including, I want to add this because of some things happening in the world. I want to include that I'm very heavily connected with the Russian language, Ukrainian language as well, to get vetted certified sources that can help with needs because there might be people on the call who are doing some service that I may not be aware of, as well as the Chinese language as well. Um, I also want to just let you know that I'm happy to share that information with you all to get your organization on the right track to where you're trying to serve in case there is a need there. I also want to encourage those people who may have that fear. I want to speak on behalf of someone who learned, some, learned of other cultures and language that is not my own to say, that it is never too late to learn and take the leap. Take the leap, do the research, be willing to try. You never, never know what's on the other side. But to not try because of fear, you're just cheating yourself. So if you need tips, if you wanna hear some of my nuggets again from this, I encourage you to reach out. I'll happily share it with you all as my gratitude for even listening to this vodcast and podcast. So that's what I wanted to leave with you all today. Thank you so much, Christine. That's so generous of you. And it just goes to show because that's where your heart always is, trying to serve others. And I know that the way in which you show up in the world, people are benefiting from it. So thank you again for sharing so much of yourself. Thank you to this community for showing up week after week. We hope that you've enjoyed this content. And if so, then pay attention because we will release the replay soon and we will love for you to recommend it to those in your network. Um, and also the podcast of, of this um, week's Intentional Conversation conversations will be available soon as well. So thank you. Have a safe and wonderful um, weekend. And we hope to see you back next Friday for intentional conversations. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.